Okay, here we go. We got it going. All right. Well, today, well, last week we talked about um, the give and take of the Bible. And did anybody watch their words by any chance or be mindful of speaking only truthful and affirming things and no complaining? Well, see, I had to leave early, so I missed that part. Okay. <laughs> I really needed it, it's too. All right. Did anybody, Carol, I walked over to Carol's house, uh, maybe it was Sunday afternoon, and um, she had, something was with the oven, and she said, you know, she said, oh, it just really stinks in here. This oven really stinks when it cooks. And she said, oh, I didn't mean to say that, so we weren't complaining. So at least we thought about it. You know, I don't know if it impacted us much or not. Um, today, I really want to, um, and part of this is actually um, one of my favorite teachings. I was blessed to sit under Beth Moore's Sunday school class. You know, she taught for 20-plus years here at First Baptist, and the last um, book, her last study, was Romans. And um, Jennifer, were you here? Did you go to any of her? Were you here when she was here? I don't know if you were. And because um, this is probably about four years ago now. And she did um, a teaching on Romans 5. And that's a real big chunk of what we're going to talk about today about his perfect love being poured into us. But she started it at the beginning. She said, Ask for the Holy Spirit to come and transform you. And it kind of went back, you know, I said, I don't know, it was probably was three weeks ago, four weeks ago when I said, You know, guys, I want transformational. You know, only come to Sunday school if you're going to be transformed. If you just want to come and be entertained and check it off, then I don't want that. And, and it says, are we going to experience, expose our hearts and minds to God, to the Word of God, and be transformed? Are we going to expose ourselves to receive from His Holy Spirit? And are we confessed up and are we focused to receive from Him? And I know there's been many a Sundays where I haven't come confessed up and I haven't come focused. I've come flying in and... Um, you know, I feel right today, but even just to, this weekend, I've, I've spent the weekend with some girlfriends down in the um, Lamarck and Galveston area, and, and um, yeah, exactly, and I didn't drink. Oh, that's right, I told you guys, oh, yeah. and I didn't drink. I didn't have any, it was not even an issue, it was not even a thing, it was not, nobody even said, well, Becky, why aren't you having any glass of wine? Because that was really was my concern, is that she would, and then I'd be like, where am I going to say, you know? Kind of convict, you know, I'm like, well, you know, because I'm more righteous than you. I mean, that's not what I was going to say, but I didn't, well, I was afraid that might come across. And so, no, I didn't, so I did that this weekend. So, you know, but just, I mean, I didn't get home until 11.15 last night, which you guys know is like, you know, the next day for me. That's way past my bedtime. And, um, you know, got up this morning, 6 o'clock, you know, and did, had plenty of coffee and did my quiet time. But still, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a go to bed at 9 o'clock and have a really restful sleep and all that stuff. And so I really want us to be mindful whether it's this, whether it's Thursday night Metro, whether it's, you know, whatever. I mean, Tuesday night when Beth starts teaching back, that we really are mindful when we come in and just say, Lord, you know, even if it's mindful of, I'm not ready, Lord, get me ready in the next two minutes. I haven't thought one minute about, what, about this, what's going to happen. And I'm sorry to read a book by David Platt called Radical Discipleship. Radical Obedience, Radical Discipleship, I'm, I think it's one of those things. And what he's... I've read the first chapter, and what he says in this first chapter is he says he was the youngest pastor called to a mega church in Alabama. And one of the first things even the godly Christian counselors were saying to him was, um, all right, just imagine how many members you want to have in your church and go for it. Because that's really the mental, I mean, that's, it's just like it, it's that business mentality. How much... How much do we want to produce? How much do we want to get out? What's the goal? So let's start making the plan to go and do whatever that goal is. And he said, and I was really conflicted because, you know, the guy I follow is Jesus. And he kept, you know, saying that if you drink this wine, you know, the blood drink from this, and if you don't like it, leave. And, I mean, you know, and he, he preaches harsh words, and all of a sudden everybody splits. And, 
And he said, I had just been to, um, right before he was called, he was in um, some part of Asia, and, um, you know, it was a closed meeting of pastors. It was a secret meeting of pastors, probably more appropriately, and that they came, and, and um, you know, these folks are, um, pastors are crying out for their members because, you know, they're um, losing their lives, losing their job, losing their family if they find out they're Christians. And so then this was like two weeks before his very first Sunday there at the church, and he's in the very first Sunday of the church, and preaches the message and he goes out and they have this big party with these great inflatables and you know and living in our pulling up in millions of dollars worth of cars pulling into the parking lot and he's just saying you know not that and these are godly good people it's not like that you know but where is that line you know when we got brothers and sisters in Christ that are struggling really literally losing their lives because of what's going on and um and so I think it's too much of, I just don't want to, let's not waste, you know, the teaching, the preaching, and it's not just me, but it's, you know, it's pastors and others, and so that we come confess them. Hey, Wendy, um, the black and white memo seems to be going around for everybody here today, so be focused. Okay, good, all right, there we go. That works. That's a true Navy, that works. So, um, anyway, so we're, uh, so I'm just really, I just ask that you guys, Let's just be mindful of that. Let's not waste the Word of God. And, and um, I'm a little nervous. My friend was reading David Platt's book on vacation, and another friend who's already read it said, you might not want to read that on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> so I will um, keep you informed of, of uh, how much you want to read, because you know, if we know it and we don't do it, it's sin. So today we're looking at Psalm 119, verses 41, are we surprised? Verses 41 through 48. <laughs> And um, this is what it says. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. And take not the word of your, uh, excuse me, and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place, and I have sought your precepts. For I have sought your precepts, and I will also speak of your testimonies before kings, and shall not be put to shame. For I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. Today's the lesson is talking about what do you need? What do you need? Um, you know, how often, uh, again, in our culture and even with children, you know, it's like, oh, I need this. You know, I need this pack of gum. I need this candy bar. You know, the teenage girl, I need this new dress. I mean, it's like, okay, it's really a want. I mean, can we just get clear on that? It's not necessarily a need. It's a want. But there are some things that we need beyond just food and shelter. And I want to talk today kind of topically about some of those things that we need. And one of the very first things that we need above all else is love. We need love. And mine's a little different, so how is your blank? God, no. It is love that we all need. It is love that we all need. And he talked 41 and 42, David's crying out, let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord. I mean, not let your mercies come to me, not let your provisions come to me, not let your grace come to me, let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord. Greatest act of love, Romans 5, 6 through 8. We're going to spend a lot of time there, so you might want to stick something in Psalm 119, and we'll flip back in. Romans 5, right after the Gospels and Acts, Romans 5, 6 through 8, a great, you know... The book of Romans is profound. But 6 through 8 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time, which I love that. Um, in Ephesians it says, In the fullness of time. Um, God's never late. He's rarely early. Um, and just at the right time. Christ.
Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The greatest act of love ever occurred, that ever occurred, was Christ's love for us. And he demonstrated his love by dying on a cross. And, um, you know, I'm blessed to know that I have no doubt. I mean, I, I, not only do I have no doubt, I personally have talked to each of you guys about your salvation, and I know that you know this to be true, that Christ died for you and you received that forgiveness, and that is the greatest gift because it's the love that comes from that. And the salvation is great, you know, and really we, we'll check in on that at, at death, you know, because our, our sins have been paid for. But in the, in the meantime, when it's the meantime, we've got to know of his love and that demonstration of his love at the cross. And when we look at the cross, we need to think of a lot of things. One of the very first things is, he loves me. And when we think of that, when that kind of registers deep in our souls, if he loves me, then kind of everything else kind of falls away. Our deepest needs are met when we understand that he loves me. He loves me, and I know that, um, and I know that each one of you guys know that personally. Um, it's interesting, I think this is what's so important, what we have to know, and this is where faith comes in, is that we have to, to really walk in that love and experience that love in a profound way, is that we've got to trust that it's true. We've got to trust that, it true, that it's true. Um, and trust precedes intimacy. If we are doubting trust with the Lord, and that's no blank, that's just a good word, trust precedes intimacy. If we are doubting his love for us, we will never grow in intimacy with him. That's true in the natural world, and it's definitely true in the spiritual world. Intimacy, emotionally, physically, spiritually, any of those three areas, it's never going to grow unless there's trust. But when there's trust, then there can be wide open intimacy that can occur. Um, verse 10 of Psalm 910, you don't need to turn there, I'll just read it to you. And those of you <clears throat> who know your name, put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Um, and those who know your name, put their trust in you. When we know him, we can put our trust in him. And I always know, for me personally, most of my problems start with unbelief and lack of trust. But if I'm trusting, my intimacy level skyrockets, and I am hearing him speak to me in such a powerful and profound way. And it all goes back to the fact that he loves us, and we have such a deep need for love. Such a deep need for love. And we see it, um, how people choose to feel that in a thousand different ways that are painful and hurtful um, to themselves as well as to others. So um, we need love. Above all else. Number two, um, it is that love that others need. It is love that others need. And this is where I want to really camp out here and spend a few minutes talking about this. Um, verse 42 says, Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Back in Psalm 119. Then I shall have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Who taunts you? I mean, do you, some of you guys might have actually a real person that does that. Some of them, we all have the enemy, but does anybody have any person that really taunts them? Or maybe when you were a kid of a time that maybe you were taunted or that the enemy was accusing you. Yes. <laughs> I'll just say yes. Sure. Yes. We, I mean, we are the accuser of the brethren is alive and active both as a, a as the enemy coming at us, as well as, um, you know, people just in the, in the world. I mean, they're just kind of always, you know, it's kind of um, like the chihuahua kind of thing, you know. It's like they have no power to hurt us. We could kick them across the room, 
you know, but it is just that nappy, you know, barking that you hear. I had an issue similar to that, well, more than once, but in, one time in particular a few years ago at work, it was like everybody around me was just so competitive and just, just you know, like yeah. a dog with a bone, right? Right. So I started reading Psalm 4, every, Psalm 3 every morning and Psalm 4 every night. And it, Psalm 3, O Lord, how, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising against me saying there is no hope for him in God. And it took me reading that every day to realize that I, in the beginning I was thinking of these particular individuals as the adversaries. Right. But they were just the front guys mm. for the one who was really the adversary mm -hmm. behind them. And once I realized that... Everything else made more sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it does. It does. I mean, that's the thing, too. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Because the Lord calls us, those that taunt us, those who are our enemies, we're supposed to pray for them. And I don't do that, girls. I mean, you know, this weekend we played card games. I mean, it was like, I mean, I did not pray for my enemies in that card game. You know, I mean, exactly. And I get, it was so funny. We played this game called Mal. It was called Mal. And the dealer dealed the cards, and it was kind of, she dealt it kind of weird, and and, and she didn't give us any rules beforehand. All she said is that she said, it, um, we play it, uh, it's similar to um, Uno. Okay, so I'm sitting to her left. She's told us no instructions. We pick up our cards, and I'm holding my card. I'm like, what? I mean, and she's like, had the discard pile there and her card turned over. And I'm like, how do I organize? Is it by suits? Is it by the numbers? You know, because you, and, she, and after about 30 seconds, she puts a card, she hands me a card, and she says, delay of game. Delay of game. I mean, she gave us no rules, and what it was was it was called Mal because whoever is the dealer is the, is the is in control, and it's whatever her rules are works for everybody else. If you played a four, it was a reverse. If you play a five, it's a skip. But you didn't know any of the rules. It was so frustrating. I say all that to say it's so quickly how that can. I mean, it's a card game with girlfriends that love me and care about me. We've just spent forty-eight <laughs> hours together. I was so mad. I was so <laughs> mad, man. And that, I mean, it, so really, it, it does, it, you know, and, and I really have just thought about that even when I was driving home last night. Just, you know, back, goodness gracious, it was just a game, you know? And then so finally I, I had to, I couldn't, like, respond totally well probably, so I just was, I didn't care, just keep giving me the cards. I'm not going to, you know, and I, I didn't pout. I didn't pout, but it was probably pretty close to that. It's amazing, though, but enemies build endurance in us. First, or back to Romans 5, verse 3. It says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the rest of what that is. But it's perseverance. It's pushing on through. It's having that enemy attack and still enduring appropriately and well, persevering through that. And perseverance is, you know, when we think about preservatives, it means it's still good. It's still okay. You know, and I don't want a lot of preservatives, but let's just talk about strawberry jam preservatives. You know, you cook them right, you put them in a jar, you seal them. Man, they'll preserve, they're preserved, and they're just as good a year later sitting underneath there as it is. And when um, the enemy comes and we're attacked, when we are taunted, um, how are we going to respond? And um, how long can we endure underneath that taunting in, in response to the fruit of the Spirit? Does that make sense? Um, but here's what, and this is the heart, and this is really, this is Beth's teaching. This is, I totally, I mean, I listened to her teaching about, I mean, I re-listened to her teaching on this. And so what I'm about to share, and, and I have this CD, and I'm more than happy to share with you guys. But this is profound. Romans verse 5 says this. Let me just read 3 through 5. So I read, more than, we, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, and that suffering produces endurance. 
Verse 4, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love has been poured into us. So not only can we pray for enemies, not only can we endure and persevere through the taunts of our enemies, according to what Romans 5, 5 says, and I believe all of the scripture, his love's been poured out. We can actually love our enemies with a divine affection. And that's what it is, four confessions of divine affections. And I'm going to talk about this. Number one, God is perfect love. We can spend all day in 1 John talk about God is perfect love. His love is perfect. Um, it's, it's holy. It's right. It's, it's, it's always, it's always um, uh, for the best love. His love for us is always going to be for the best. It's not to hurt us or to ever harm us. It's always to give us the very best. God is perfect love, and we've got to settle that. That goes back to the very first one, his steadfast love. And he loves us. And that love is a good love. And it's a perfect love. And he loves us in the wildest, the most pure and the wildest imaginations we can, we can imagine. As much as you love a niece or a nephew or a child or a brother or a sister, as much as you love that, God loves a hundred times more than that. And I especially think about nieces and nephews because that love we have for them is so pure. They can't give us a, a thing back. I mean, that newborn baby, that, you know, the minute you put in, even before you put them in their, their arms, I mean, pre-born, you're loving that niece and that nephew. And, and you, then they come in their hands, and then you walk down the beach, and they hold your finger, you know, and they just put all their, oh, that love just wells up. God's love is a thousand times more than that for us, and it's perfect. So number one, God is perfect love. Number two, and this is Romans 8, nothing can separate us from God's perfect love. Nothing can separate that from God's perfect love. And it's so true, and I don't know if it's true in y'all's life, but it's so true in my life. I can think, I know the enemy, you know, the enemy can't snatch me out of God's love. But you know what, sometimes I think I talk myself into being snatched out of God's love. That I, Becky Turner can do something that would stop God from loving me. <laughs> I mean, that's just crazy, you know? Part of it's, that's probably, there's some pride probably wrapped up into that because I'm bigger than the devil or whatever. But, you know, but I can do nothing. God does not love me. And this is what's amazing. I can't love, I can't get more of his love. He doesn't love me more when I do right things, and he doesn't love me less when I do wrong things. I mean, it's, it's perfect love at all times, steady. You know, he, you know, I, we, we, I think it's Max Licato that said it first, you know, he, he, he loves me enough to stay, to save me, but he loves me enough to not leave me that way. I mean, it's that love. It's that perfect, consistent, never changing, never enduring, you know, you know, our nieces and nephews, they act out. You know, our love might wane a little bit. Or we, they're acting, you know, but his love never wanes. They act out, he still loves us the same. And that love might come in the form of a spanking, but that love, he still loves us the same. It's still nothing, nothing. Becky cannot separate, um, be separated from God's perfect love. Number three, and this is Romans 5, God pours his perfect love into my imperfect heart. Because my heart is not perfect. It's in the process, and it's what we talked about last week about our, our body, our mind, our soul, our body, our soul, and our spirit, and our soul is, is not perfect. Our, our, it is not fully, fully sanctified. There's transformation. And so, but God can pour his perfect love into my imperfect heart. That's what it says, Romans 5.5. 5. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Past tense, done. It happened. It happened. Um, and so, therefore, number four, access. 
I can love anyone through anything. I can love anyone through anything. And I think it may just circle it. And I would circle it, underline it, highlight it. It's got to be access. It's there. It is fully available for me to walk that out and to love people, any person, through anything. And the, and the perfect love that goes back, it's, it's not my love that's being poured into my heart. It's not my love that I'm accessing. It's God's perfect love. And, and the, only, the only one we don't, don't have to love, the caveat to this is if it's somebody God doesn't love. Well, if God doesn't love them, then we don't have to love them. But there's nobody that God doesn't yeah, love. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that would be no one. So that doesn't, so that, and really this is the radical obedience. So Carol Lewis, whose daughter was killed by a drunk driver, she's supposed to love that 17-year-old girl when she hit the, now she's 27. You know, she's supposed to love her. Well, that's what it says, you know, and how that looks and appropriateness and boundaries and all that, you know, you know, we go, we work through all that kind of thing. But perfect love, we can love that person, that person that's taunting us, that person that's, that's our enemy, our employee, I mean, our peers that might be just doggy dog, you know, I don't know if it's at GE Capital, I mean, at GE Oil, but it's that way at, at, um, at ExxonMobil. I mean, most, you know, political world, good goodness. I mean, there is even, you know, in the teaching world, man, there we are, a bunch of women, good night. We're going to be issues. We got issues. We got stuff. You know, I got stuff and I work by myself. I mean, you know. When you get into an argument exactly. with yourself, then we really have to worry about it. That's right. If it wasn't this person that I live with, I wouldn't have so many issues, you know, and I live by myself. I mean, you know, I mean, that's a challenge, you know. And, um, very difficult roommate. Exactly. So much. But God's love, we can do that. We can love him. And those are four com divine confessions that we just have to. Because how profound, girls, if it's just, even just us five, if we go out and we love everyone with that perfect love through anything, and we demonstrate it as Christ. And then what's the next section of verses? But verse 6, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for us. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person will die, but God shows his love for us that while we were a sinner, Christ died for us. So he's like, look, here is my perfect love. I'm pouring it into you. That love did what? That love died on the cross for you when you were unrighteous. So when unrighteousness, ungodly, unholiness comes into your life, I expect you to respond in that perfect love that I poured into your heart to these other ones that are around there because I did it for you. How, I mean, how much more... Should you not do it for those that are around you? I do not like this lesson. Can I just share? This would be something that I would love to skip over. Would like, I like John 3.16. I'm not really excited about this part right here. Because that's what he is saying. But man, when we can do it, how much does it bless us? You know, we've all done it just a little bit or some, some of us more than others that we've been able just to hold the tongue or to respond in, in kindness and you know, and, and most of the time, it's a whole lot easier to respond in kindness to the, well, the, wall, the Walmart cashier who's having a really bad day than it is to a sibling or to a parent or to a coworker that we see every day or to a boss. And that is where, that's really where it's going to be manifested. Man, when we day after day, because we know them, right? And we know that they're going to do it again. You know, that Walmart cashier we're never going to see and, you know, no skin off our back. But you know what? Chances are, and they're saying the same thing as us. We're doing it back to them, though. Whatever it is, you know, it's going to come back. The, the homework for this week is 
And I'm going to give each one of you guys three of these so you can stick them anywhere you want. I have written out for you, or printed out for y'all, the um, this Four Confessions of Divine Affection. And what I'd like you to do is this week, we, I mean the key is memorizing it, and then repeat it three times a day this week. And so stick it on your mirror, stick it on your computer, and stick it in your car dashboard or wherever. And just every day this week, three times repeat it. Just stick it somewhere where you'll see it. Three different times, and then repeat it, and just let it kind of start soaking in. That And I, I, mean, I think the key word is access. The other, we probably all, all five of us could probably get up here and teach on one of those points and talk about it and at least kind of give some stories of those. But the key is we've got to access it. And are we going to access it? Are we going to access it? And really see transformation. I mean, if not, then it's just a good thing. It's just a good thing. So I really want us to, God is perfect love. Nothing can separate us from God's love, so we're always in there. God pours his perfect love into my imperfect heart. And access, I can love anyone through anything. Anyone through anything. So it's love, that, and that's what others need. That will change the world. <coughs> that will change the world. And I don't have to, we don't have to suffer persecution. We don't have to, like, you know, sell our cars and, you know, move to Tibet. I mean, even though that God might be calling you to do that, that's not necessarily what is the point here. But if we can just love well those that we encounter in our little corner of the world, man, their life will be changed. And those people start loving well and their lives will be changed. And it's like, I don't have to, I don't have to get, you know, we don't have to overturn Senate, Congress, the city councilmen. We don't have to change all of our pastors and get all of our universities lined up teaching the Bible, and I don't need to bring prayer back to school. I don't have to do any of those things. No, those things could never, ever change, be exactly the same. And, but if I change my little corner of the world and make a difference, we'll eliminate poverty, we can eliminate poverty. Our little corner of the world, we can eliminate poverty. I mean, it, I mean it's not a whole lot we got to do. We've got people that are dying of poor water. We can fix that. Boom, we can fix it. We've got kids in foster system who are being raised in, a, um, in awful situations. We can fix that. Boom. If every one of us did our little thing, our little corner of the world, we can fix those things. Those things are easy. They really are. But we've got to start loving. That's the hard part. We've really got to start loving. Let it begin with us. Let it begin with me. selfishness. We want more. You know, I, I know, um, when, Wendy, were you in the third ward or the fifth ward this week? Third, at, ward. third ward. You know, and she saw some stuff, didn't you? I mean, the stuff we'd all seen before, but the thing is, it is, it is so little that we would, it's not like, again, that doesn't mean that you should never live in the woodlands and live in a 5,000 square foot house. That's not the point. <laughs> it's right here. It's right here. It's right, and you it's, don't have to go across the world. You don't have to go across the world. You don't have to sell everything like that. And you don't have to sell your house in the woodlands. I mean, you know, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 75, you know. Quit. Let's just, let's just, what the heck? Let's close down Starbucks. I mean, can we talk about, and this is, when you miss it again, I mean, is that a want or is that, an, oh, I need a Starbucks this morning. And I have said it. And I probably walked that path 100%. And it's so amazing during vacation Bible school, I bought one just that every single day. And I bought it for, the, for my Linda, the director of the preschool. You know, kind of, it's a big day today. Here you go. Here's your coffee. <laughs> it was so funny how that, just doing it four days in a row, there is, I mean, they put crack or something in the, in the coffee. 
it, well, and it's expensive. It's, it's expensive. I was dropping seven bucks. Seven bucks? I mean, so over a four-day period, 28 bucks? Yeah. Do that in a month? It's $120? Do that in a year? That's 1200 bucks, 1400 bucks. Yeah, all for a cup of coffee that I can still get that coffee for a quarter at home. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, that $1,400, I can buy a Bloomin' Espresso machine with the steamer in it. I mean, that is, it, it doesn't take much, but it's like Wendy said. It's just like Christ did. He chose to die, sacrificed himself. But he's not asking us to do any of that. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Right, exactly, and and it and it and really making killings. Uh, they are making a killing, <laughs> you know, and they. Um, yeah, Bill Gates could probably solve world hunger with pretty one much. Of his, yeah, your one annual income. Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The um, the uh, this weekend, a friend of mine had she had an iPad, and for, it's the first time I really used an iPad, and it was you know, I was like, yeah, this would be sweet, yeah. you know, I could I could so justify this. Yeah. Another friend of mine got an iPhone four this week. And that was a little easier for me not to justify because it weighs more. It is a little heavy. It's heavy. And I'm like, mm, yeah, so that kind of, you know, which is pretty amazing. God is doing a great work in me that, number one, I do not have an i4 and I don't have an iPad. I mean, that's just, I'm just telling you, huge work in me because I am such a junkie. Okay, let's move on. We've got to go fast on these last three, but I think we can do that. Okay, no, the third point, and it is hope that we all need. It's hope that we all need. Back in um, Psalm 119, it says, And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. Man, we got to have hope. We have to have hope. I mean, that's the, you know, I think that is where um, people uh, can get so defeated and you walk into places, whether it's poverty, whether it's um, relational issues, whether it's financial issues, whether it's, um, you know, job, people searching for jobs. You know, I mean, get that interview. You know, get that. Get a resume out and hear about, man, hope's restored, man. You're going to work even harder. But you don't have any activity for a while, man, you just kind of get your feet. You have no hope. There's no hope. You keep working. But, man, if we can have hope, we can, we can press on. Hebrews, I mean, we already said it, Romans 5, 4, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. We're not going to get, nine times out of ten, our hope is not found until we endure some things. And that endurance builds character, and that character produces hope inside of each one of us. Psalm 15:13. I'm not Psalm 15:13. Romans 15:13. This is a verse that Carol Lewis signs all of her books by, unless she gives you one because she doesn't sign books that she gives to her friends because she thinks we'd want to re-gift it. So, anyway, <laughs> may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. May the God of hope fill your spirit, so that you can abound in even more hope. 
It goes back to that love. It's being poured out into us, and we have hope, and we can hope in his rules, which is a whole other story that we need to press on to. Number four, it is freedom that we all need. Man, it is freedom that we all need. Um, uh, I think that, again, going back to that silly um, card game we played last night, I finally come to the point, even though I'm pretty strong, if I know the rules and I know my boundaries, I'll submit. I mean, 20 years ago, I wouldn't. But for now, I'll, I'll submit. I'll, I mean, just tell me what the rules are. I'm not in charge, so I'll submit to whatever it is. And there's freedom in that, right? There's freedom. I mean, it's like as opposed to you don't know the rules and the rules are constantly changing or are are, are you're really restricted. At, you know, even restricted rules, sometimes you can have freedom. And we talk about, I mean, amazing stories out of Nazi prison, Hitler camps. I mean, I mean, a huge travesty in America today and the slavery that was gone on. But, man, I mean, there is nothing better than the spirituals that came out of the slavery. I mean, it is, I mean, talk about something good coming out, and nothing blesses me more. And, um... Because there's freedom in that. Even in the midst of that, there was freedom. Even in, in bondage, there's freedom when we know the truth. And that's John 8.32. John 8, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. And that's where the, where the hope comes in. And that's where the freedom comes in. And to walk in that. Um, I like it. It says that the verse that I pulled on that from is, I shall walk in a wide place. Psalm, 40, Psalm 119, back to there. Verse, 40, verse 45. And I shall walk in a wide place. That's freedom. When you can walk in a wide place. I know where I am. I know where I'm going. I know the path that I'm going to be on. And um, we can walk in a wide place. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, if, are we not experiencing freedom? There's a place in our life where we don't really feel like there's freedom. Do we feel bound up? Do we feel restricted? Is it controlling us? Whether it's a thing, a person, a place, you know, a demand. Um, you know, if it is, and if it is, you know, I mean, we keep picking on Starbucks, but, you know, the Starbucks, I mean, if we can't drive past the, we, past the Starbucks without stopping kind of thing, I mean, that's got bondage over us. And we need to get freedom in that. How do we get freedom? That means we need to drive a different way, that we don't have any cash. We tell a girlfriend, look, you know, hold me accountable on this. I don't want to have that. You know, we make a commitment to give $4 a day to somebody else. <laughs> or even better, if I can knew that I just either I could, I had to throw the money out the window if I, you know, <laughs> Give it to the homeless guy, you know, whatever. Any of those kind of things. And then finally, verse 46. And I think this is, I really struggled because was this a want or is this a need? And I decided that I think it's a need. And that is, it's favor that we all need. We all need favor. In some ways it's bigger. In verse 46 it says, I will also speak of your testimonies before kings. That's favor. I mean, to stand before a king, that gives you Amazing, an amazing, great favor. I won't turn to it just for time, but Esther, um, um, in Esther, in chapters 5, 7, and 8, in Esther 5, 7, and 8, you know, you ladies know the story, and A Night with the King is a fantastic movie, and um, that would be a fun girls' night kind of thing to do, but um, she, she asked the king three different ways, if I have favor with you, come have dinner. If I have favor with you, come have dinner. If I have favor with you, please turn back this decree. You know, and she had favor each time, and it turned back the decree. Proverbs 3, I do want to turn to that. Proverbs 3, 1 to 4, and we'll close with this, is um, 
is great. My son, do not forget my teachings, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace will add to you. That is, <laughs> I have next to that, that's a great time management verse. You know, length of days and years of life I'll add to you. If you follow my, you need more time in the day, follow his commands. So that's a good time management verse. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, but bind them about your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success with man and with God. Is that an amazing? It's not a promise. You know, it's just a, it's a principle. But in, in Proverbs 3, 3, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. So let us just be, bind them around our neck. That, so where we're going, that we show love and we show faithfulness. Don't let them leave us. Write them on the table of your heart. Make it just part of who it is. And if that's going to happen, you'll find favor and success with God and with man. If we just walked in love and faithfulness, I mean, what a challenge. And we'll find favor and success with God and man. What more do we want? What more do we need? What do you need, honey? What do you need? Favor. Favor. I mean, it's, I mean this, is, and this is a little thing. You know how I feel about this. This is just a little tiny thing. But favor, when people ask, and I'm blessed, I have a lot of people that ask, how can I pray for you? I always pray that, I pray that I'll finish well and that I have favor. And those are the two things. I mean, it's always my prayer. Finish well and that I have favor. Saturday night, Friday, Thursday night. These girlfriends that I go with, um, they're all big into the Twilight series. And so Thursday night was, um, and I actually, I, I see a lot of spiritual implications to it. But Thursday night, uh, we had an eclipse party and, you know, had, we didn't have, we had a wedding cake afterwards. But, you know, we just, it was fun and we all went to the party and they, I mean, it wasn't a wedding wedding cake. It was just a nice cake. <laughs> And, um, what I missed. <laughs> right, exactly. It wasn't that. Well, because Edward and Bella are getting married. I mean, that was the whole point of Eclipse. And so, anyways. So, um, so exactly. I don't get it all. I mean, those girls, like, I mean, they did trivia beforehand. I'm like, I do not have that much space in my head for that information. Anyways. Now, sports trivia, of course, I can tell you how many home runs Babe Ruth hit, how many home runs Hank Aaron hit. I can do all that. But that, if that pointless information, I don't have. I like NFL for me. Exactly, exactly. Anyway, so we go to the movies, and and this is the greatest thing at Cinemark. We um, and then we'll, okay, we I got to close because I hate to get you guys late, and I thought this lesson was going to be short. But anyways, at Cinemark, you if you buy a large tub of popcorn, you get it refilled for free. Well, there's you know nine girls, and then I even asked the guy. I said, "Can we have little containers that we could like put our popcorn in?" And, and he, I mean, I thought this was favor. That's favor. He gave us. And there were two cup, cup holders, is what he did, and so he put put a bunch of them together and tore off the edge, and so we all had our little containers. But, you know, we passed the popcorn, and we had to go back and didn't have to. We went back and got it refilled. That was a need. Okay, so there was a, that was a need. So that was a little favor. I think it was still during the previews that we, we were getting more popcorn. But I drank my large Diet Coke and had more popcorn, so you got to have more Coke with the popcorn. And so I go back to the same guy, and, and I said, um, I said, uh, hey, is there? Do you got a? Do I get a free refill on my my Coke? Because it's a large too, like the popcorn. And he said no. And I said, what about like a discount? He said, give me the Coke. And he gave me the. I'm so I just received that as favor. It's between him and his God, and what goes on with that, all that kind of thing. But I'm just like favor, favor. I want to walk in favor. And then when we acknowledge it, the Lord blesses it. You know, and um, because and the part of it wasn't we were nice. I mean, that's part of it too. Man, you just be nice to people. It's amazing what you can get. And so we'll get. Yeah, exactly. Lots. You don't even. You don't even know it. And the favor of the Lord will will fall out and be upon us. So let me just encourage you this week. Let's show love. 
to those that are around us and really practice those divine, those divine affection um, through walking through those confessions. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for these ladies. I bless them in Jesus' name. I thank you for who they mean to you, Father God. I pray. But I pray um, with a little bit of trepidation um, for opportunities, Lord, to, to walk out this love because that means things that are unlovely will come into our lives because it's easy to love the lovely. It's the unlovely and the ungodly and the unrighteous and those that we don't want to love, Father, that forces us to access that perfect love that's been poured into our imperfect hearts. And so, Lord, I just pray that this week that Jen and May and Wendy and, and Vicki and I, Lord, that we would walk out your love in such a profound way that others would notice and people would return to, um, to taste and see that the Lord is good and then ultimately come to know you in a personal way, Father God. That will challenge us, that will stretch us, that will make it uncomfortable, but we believe that, that it is not um, impossible or too difficult for you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for who you are, and it's in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Becky. It's a fun lesson today.